0: Thanks to our sponsor, Walker Digital, who have stepped in to help the Numbers Game podcast with their social media. Walker Digital are a digital marketing agency covering strategy, content, video, implementation and education. The team at Walker have spread the word of our clients and love working with businesses doing good things helping them to grow and reach more people so they can scale and get larger. I know personally the first thing I did when growing our business was to outsource social media, blogs and copywriting because I knew it was something that was not the best use of my time and the team at Walker Digital smashed it. Sometimes you need to walk before you can run. Find out more at their website, wlkr.digital. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The conversations are of a general nature and do not qualify as financial or tax advice. We recommend before you make any financial decisions, you consult a licensed professional. Individuals on the podcast may hold positions in the companies discussed. Welcome to episode 49 of The Numbers Game, it's Jace, Nick and Marty here again, coming to you live on whatever you're listening to us on. How are you going today, boys? Oh,
1: really excited today, Jace, you know, it's... it's- It's after the election, but we're pre-recording, so I don't know who's won, So it's, uh, but we're not going to talk about anything of the election, because we know that can get very boring, but I'm excited about what we're talking about today. Nick, how are you?
2: I'm well, thanks, Marty. So, yeah, looking forward to get stuck into the business stuff. This is the stuff we really like, so, yeah, pumped for today's episode. And
0: Jase, how are you going? You're still sort of carrying that uh, flu. It's it's lingering. Oh, just this, this long COVID is the gift that keeps on giving, and I don't know, like mix it with the man flu, and who knows what else is going on, but... I've just had, you know, lungs of copter smashing, but I'm again, I'm pushing through, guys. I'm here to add value and, and provide the extra insights with you two, lovely gents. And um, let's kick off with what we've got on today's show, Marty. What are you bringing to us today?
1: Well, today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, customer loyalty and the damning stat on that, which I think a lot of business owners will find interesting. Uh, Nick, what have you got,
2: uh, mate? Today I am going to mention another Aussie
0: success story that. Most people will be familiar with, especially the female listeners.
2: And Jace?
0: Well, I think I'm um, off the back of our fundamentals, back to basics for our consumer listeners. We're also going to have a bit of a talk about what does navigating the road forward for business look like? And are there things we've learned in the last couple of years that have changed how we're going to navigate the road forward? Oh, I'm excited. Let's play. Right, guys, reading the play, probably my favorite segment. We bring interesting articles we've come across, news, tips or resources we think are worth sharing And uh, look, off the back of last week's episode, I went down a wormhole into the AFR looking at all the different accounting firms and top 100 and all the things that were going on and off the back of looking at navigating the road forward um, and, and fundamentals for business, I came across an article talking about an accounting firm that is chasing Google clicks to help it double in size. Now, anything that's marketing, advertising, websites, those kind of things as a you know, as a business advisor or someone who likes to help businesses grow, those things catch my catch my attention. So the accounting firm is Liston Newton. Um, come across them, seen their marketing, seem like really great people. Um, their plan is to double its revenue over the next five years to hit sixteen million. They want to acquire smaller firms, attract new customers, and they've been doing this through a bunch of online articles. So they've decided. You know, this new age accounting firm strategy is uh, about blogging, blogging and putting online blogs on so that when people search for how to sell my business or how to minimise capital gains tax when I sell my business, they've got specific search terms that they want to rank for that is helping them grow their business. Now, they were 78 on la- out of the 100 top accounting firms in the country on last year's list. Um, and the MD, John Liston, talked about how potential customers have found them through those search terms, but specifically for what they want to rank for. He said, we don't rank for cheapest tax return in Australia. We're ranking for things that that are helping our solid business accounting fees grow. And in this strategy, they've added an additional $50,000 to $80,000 a month in ongoing additional consulting and advisory fees for those kind of search terms, which I... Absolutely loved. I think, you know, for years I've been talking about how Google for your business, five-star reviews, ranking for search terms that you want to rank for. And now to actually see another accounting firm with proof in the pudding that that it's working. Um, some of the numbers that that I found interesting, they're currently at six million turnover. So growth over the next five years, they've got to grow up 20 to 25% year on year to hit that sixteen million dollar stretch target. Um, And they're going to do this in a few different ways, uh, which I thought was really great for them to share in the article. So, one of them is to incentivize staff, and that's to pay commissions for internally generated revenue. Which now we've talked about, you know, how do we make sure the future advisory team to help add value to our clients, get them over to innovate so that they've got great superannuation, great mortgage rates. One of the ways they're doing it for their internally generated revenue is when a staff, when a team member, identifies an upsell, that can help add some commission to that team member's salary, which I found really interesting. I mean, there's probably not a lot of business models out there that are doing it in that way. And if they are, I mean, looking at the way they've grown over the years is is interesting. Um, Revenue growth from digital marketing, again, not a huge amount of accountants are pumping money into digital marketing. And then also they've expanded into overseas operation and hired nine in their offshore team in the Philippines. So a couple of accountants, a couple of bookkeepers, And a couple of admin team members. So um, these are the kind of articles I think are are really interesting for business owners. So if you're you know you don't have to be an accountant like me who gets interested in these, but if you're looking to grow your business um, and you're in a particular industry, model the masters. Have a look who else is out there doing a really good job and being well perceived in the market. And there's no reason why you can't. You know um, I read on some of my notes last night. It's called R and D. Rip off and duplicate but do it in your own way that makes it authentic and organic for your business boys what do you think of those uh those strategies
2: just the commission one's interesting mm. especially for an accounting business yeah you know, I think it's a uh, that that would be normal in the sales business but it's um I'm not sure about that i I, I understand why they would be going that way but I'm just not sure what sort of culture that drives, mm. I don't know, you'd probably speak to that better than I would, Jace, because you're in an accounting business. Well, so
0: it, It's funny, we're, we're sometimes a little bit too similar, Nick. It was the first thing I thought was, what would that do internally if an accountant that was client-facing has the most opportunity, let's say, to upsell, but then one of my superstar client service coordinators or admin team may not have the opportunity because they're not talking to clients about you know, ha- having a review of their super or their home loan so that team member would miss out on these potential commissions and would that cause a a rift in the team from a culture point of view while somebody's making it rain in commissions and somebody else is kicking back doing the heavy lifting in 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 a different team that doesn't have access to that. So yeah, it'd need to be well managed, that's for sure. I think you could do
2: it in another way though. You know, there could be a profit pool for a mm. certain uh for a certain section or a certain team. Mm. Um my, and look, may, may, maybe that is how they're doing it. Yeah. Who knows how they're yeah, logistically true, true. doing it? Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, I would say it's, you know, there wouldn't be many accounting businesses doing it. And look, the, the other stuff to me makes sense. We we definitely understand the power of Google reviews. Um, digital marketing is um, what we think will will fuel our next phase of growth. So, yeah, mate. It's, it's all good stuff. And I wouldn't say they're aggressive targets, really. It's six to 16 over five years. Yep. Marty?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable Mm. Um, and I just think that um, it's it's interesting because I come from two different perspectives on what Jace has been talking about here. Prior to actually running my own podcast, uh, I would have said write quality content Mm. and don't worry about algorithms because you're drawing in the market that you want to draw in but then you realise, and it's like we talked about in the past episode um, in regards to understanding investment and the science behind things, um, you know, can, can get you ahead or knock you down pretty quick. But I think it's the same thing here. Once you understand the dynamics of the increase in business, you know what what those ratios are and you know the impact on your business, then it totally makes sense to, to have absolutely still quality content mm. and match it in with SEO. Um, and like I said five years ago I would have disagreed with that because that would have only churned out a certain percentage which I wouldn't have liked I'd like more impact for my content so I would say I'd rather have an 80% um upswing in sales on a limited amount of contact because i'm getting most of my efficiencies out of that but you're playing very small in a small patch Mm. whereas now when you see what some of these businesses can do for your business uh in optimization it just makes sense you can ratio it through throughout the business so i think on that level i think that's that's um yeah you have to look into that now or you get left behind and there's going to be people out there that have quality content that's, that are getting no traction. They'll be spewing mm. at people, business owners like, you know, like ourselves and other accountancy practices that are doing these types of things. But but you need to be doing it. On the commission front, I love your idea, Nick, about pooling um, commissions. And then, you know, I know we're doing that internally with lead forms now where people are referring to different segments based based on the client's objectives and where that fit is going to be for the next professional coming in. But I really like that idea of pulling profits and then making it more in regards to, you know, client outcomes, you know, customer experience, uh, objectives being met within the business, even culturally. Mm. I think that's a really that's a really smart use of that additional revenue that could be filtered through not only the salespeople in the group, but all, all people in the group. So I think that's
0: really clever. Nice one. Well, I've enjoyed that. Uh, Marty, why don't we throw over to you, mate? Kind of runs into each other.
1: Yeah, well, last week I was at uh, an AFG conference, which is our licensee in uh, in the finance industry, and they had a fantastic uh, chat on marketing, which which I thought was, was interesting. And there was a damning stat on customer loyalty. So this is strategically for mortgage broking, but this could apply, I would think, across any service industry in regards to what an individual salesperson would think on a good service experience for a client, what percentage of those clients would come back to them. And most salespeople think that figure is up at 60%, but the data shows that it's only 15%. So good service in this day and age is not going to secure your client um, for the future, So you actually have to surprise and delight your client and turn them into an advocate of not only your own performance, but also the business. Mm. And then the upswing of referral on that is something quite extraordinary. Like I think it's nearly six times the level of referrals, at least somewhere between three to six times when a person is an advocate And I thought, yeah, it's amazing the perception of how salespeople think and how businesses think about clients, that clients are very loyal. They'll come back to them. They know there'll be repeat business because we did a good job but if we're not surprising and delighting our clients, then we're at risk. And one of the one of the stats that came out, because a lot of people have been on low fixed rates over the last couple of years because they've never been um, at those levels, 1.99, 1.89. Now, all those fixed rates have jumped to 4.3, 4.8 on three-year, five-year rates over the next few years, uh, three to five years. So there's going to be nearly 2 million uh, customers out there wow. that are going to be looking for You know, new rates, and they need that service to work through what's best for them at this time now for the next two years. So, if you're not proactively servicing your clients, so we're really focusing in on this because they they will go, they will go, and they'll see the next ad on TV and be triggered to ring someone else. So it's really important that not only are we on top of those uh, market indicators to deal with clients effectively, but also that we're developing the relationship deeply with clients. Surprise and delight, and then the ongoing service is really important too. And you can use tech, you know, it might be. Out of 10 touch points, eight touch points can be tech and still be personalised to the individual, but there still needs to be a human element a couple of times a year as well to really integrate that that relationship with the business. So I thought there'd be other service providers out there, other business owners out there that would be thinking, yep, we do a good job. But we have to well and truly exceed expectation mm. in these types of markets, and think about ways to surprise and delight. So for me, it might be personalised gifts to clients as a standout. You know, send it to their place of work instead of their home, mm. so they they showcase it to other business owners. You know, monthly touch points. Make sure you get in touch with your clients too.
2: Really important, guys. Couldn't agree more. And I think there's a couple of key things there. the The tech and the tech is huge, and Mm-hmm. I guess one of the things that, that we've realized is just the power of education too. So, you know, for us, it's about creating blogs. It's creating blogs and content that, that is really beneficial to our clients that so based on what we see with our clients, we know what they want to hear about and we know what they're interested. So, it's you know, we've got a lot of talent in this office that we can lean on to create content. So, you know, create some content that's not sales-based, it's education-based. And have a a system where that's consistently going to your clients, and it shouldn't be ad hoc because you know, there's a particular time in the market. It should be consistent, so they're always hearing from you and you know back to your point around the phone calls and the touch points, I think yeah the the gifts and 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 whatnot are great, but there is nothing better than picking the phone up and calling a client. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely nothing better absolutely and most of the time I found when I was in sales is you generally pick up. Pick up more business off that conversation, whether it was the universe or whatever it was. But I found whenever I called the client, a lot of the times it was, "I'm glad you called because hey, I'm thinking about doing this." Yeah. Or I spoke to to Jane Smith yesterday, and she, I was I was thinking about you. You should talk to her. So we spend, well, maybe not so much anymore. But you know, I used to spend so much time in the car in sales that I would use that time to write down a client list and just give them a call. How are you going? And that that will exceed any gift any hamper uh, you know any any blog pick the phone up have a chat has only has to be a 5 minute chat and do it you know when you know you've got the downtime and you know you you can actually have a proper chat to them, um, you know, and take in what, and what they're saying to you. And, that,
1: and that's been forgotten a little bit, Nick, in regards to what goes on in the digital age. I think you've got to have your IQ up, your EQ, but your DQ is very important in understanding, in understanding data mm. and how to utilise strategy off that data. But those touch points I just think is, um, is exceptional.
2: Sorry, mate. IQ EQ, DQ, what are we talking about here? Am I that far behind?
1: Yeah, no, no. Well, intelligence, you got your emotional intelligence, now you got your digital intelligence as well. Perfect. So you must have as a business understand your digital intelligence. And what was happening, like there was a lot of content put out there originally just for SEO, mm. and I think that can be damaging. You've got to be careful. You, like Nick said, you've got to create great relevant content to deepen relationships with clients plus add in the SEO. You know, don't just do it for SEO. Yeah, you know, you've still got to have great content as well, and that's where some businesses get trapped. Mm. But the phone call to clients Nick's right. I can't tell you how many times you pick up that phone and opportunities present because you actually care enough to pick up the phone. And everyone's got into this mindset of I'll send a text or a social media post, and and it's and it just. Yeah. again that's okay occasionally but you still got to do you still got to have those human relationships and that's what builds trust and that's what builds that stickiness to your brand as well because you care enough to make that call
0: i think that's a that's great advice nick yeah love it love it in my head i'm just thinking over all the different things that we've we do and we've done in the past and then where there's always room for improvement um you know, when our clients have babies, you know, we send a little baby gift and, you know, the the feedback and love we get from them, like, oh, my God, that was so thoughtful. Um, you know, uh, every single day the team posts whose birthdays it is into a channel in Slack so that the whole team knows, well, geez, if I speak to that client today, I'm going to wish them a happy birthday and they're going to know that I know their birthday. Or we go out of our way to to call or send an email or send a message um, for birthday. So all these little extra touch points that just add some personalization into the relationship um, so that then, you know, a week later when you do call up and do the check-in, they've got a text or a message for their birthday. They're, you know, they've got a gift from in the last six or 12 months for something that's happened in their lives. And, you know, they're probably from a customer loyalty point of view, why would you be thinking of going anywhere else when you've got all of these different things set up?
1: Yeah, it's amazing that birthday call to a client, how how great that mm. is. You know, a lot of people, you know, get they get texts and all sorts of stuff. Hundred comments on Facebook. Mm. But yeah, you know, someone to actually pick up the phone is is now unusual. And actually I found that the people that do that really do care. Mm. And that's my presumption, but that's that's my feeling. And even like from a business sense, I saw something. I did a presentation at um, Jess Stevens, so shout-out to Craig Stevens, um, the other week. And what they did, and you always, this is why it's great getting out and about again and seeing faces again, no masks, seeing faces and seeing other businesses have great ideas, is um, they actually had even internally, you know, people that had birthdays on the screen, like, who are we celebrating this week? And everyone, you know, obviously congratulated them. Just little things like when everyone was in the room uh, and people were having babies and stuff, and they, they highlighted that. And I took I took something away from that. I thought, you know, we, we do great things as well, but I, I just actually really liked that being in the room and people being celebrated in the room. There was something about that that was very powerful too on a business front.
0: Love it, Marty. Well, on a business front, Nick, you've got an exciting business story of a, a Aussie success.
2: I have, and uh, our boy Sam Wood. So most people will remember Sam Wood, uh, I know Jake's one of your absolute all-time favorite shows from The Bachelor. yeah. And Sam Wood was the 2015 Bachelor winner. Um I believe Sam Wood already had a uh well actually I, I know Sam Wood had a personal training background prior to going into The Bachelor. Yep. Um the woodshed, so The Woodshed was his business. And I, I had a I've got a feeling that he went into kids as well. Um in and in, in around Bayside, Melbourne, he had a business where they focused on you know getting kids healthy, oh, wow. I think. Anyway, um, so Sam is a, uh, well, I guess an entrepreneur at heart. I, I, I've watched a podcast with him and he was an entrepreneur from, from day one. So, you know, leveraging his 2015 status, being the bachelor winner and, you know, let's not beat around the bush, extremely good looking man uh, and extremely... Extremely great guy too from, from what I understand, so shout out to Sam. But he, he created a, um, uh, an application or a subscription business uh, which was called 28 by Sam Wood, which was 28-minute workouts. So I'm not too sure where the 28 minutes came from, mm. but um, from what I understand, every morning there was a, a different workout that went for 28 minutes. And I've actually got a friend of mine who was doing this and uh, he was trying to lose weight. And I just thought um, him and his wife were doing one of those sessions every morning. I thought, how good is that? It's 28 minutes. Anyone can do that. It's actually really clever. It's not daunting. That's not half an hour. It's just under half an hour. So it'd be interesting to understand the marketing concept on, on the 28 minutes. And there's probably some, some psychology behind it, I would have thought. Anyway. So Sam got that business up to four hundred thousand subscribers or participants on the on the application. Um, He has recently sold uh, to a business um, that's called My DNA. So what My DNA do is, based on your 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 genetics, they will give you insights into your health and we well well being via DNA tests. So what My DNA would like to do with Sam's business is they will just they'll have a They'll do the DNA test and then they will provide not just um, health and well-being uh, advice around food and whatever it might be, but also around a specific exercise program um, backed by 28 by Sam Wood. Mm -hmm. Um, The purchase price of 28 by Sam Wood is $70 million. So that to me is an incredible success story. Look, no doubt there was a lot of hard work that went into creating um, that business, but you know, it's an application, it's an exercise application. He's done it all of himself by coming up with these workouts, Yeah, you know, and he's just sold his business for 70 million. I have no doubt he's still involved in that business. I'm not sure what it's going to look like logistically, but yeah, a great, um. you know, from, from a winner on Bachelor to, to leveraging that and starting the business only, you know, in 2016, which is only seven years ago, six, seven years ago. So it's a uh, it's not a long journey, and he's about to collect um, 70 mil, whatever that might look like. Um, I just think it's a great story, and there's quite a few, few of these stories popping up from, um, from Aussie Grown Success. So it's good to see.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for us boys all being happily married to get on The Bachelor, so that's uh, yeah, a little limitation there, but I'm sure there's other uh, reality shows we could hit up, boys. But The Apprentice. Uh, but- We're going The Apprentice. Well, go on The Apprentice. That would be a bit of fun, actually. I'd I like think that. you need to be on maths uh,
0: before you get on The Apprentice, though. So we're, we're <laughs> stuffed again. No bachelor, no maths for us. So, yeah, we're, we're a bit screwed uh,
1: there. But what a, great, what a great story and good on him because, like, like we know, that uh, that sort of success doesn't come with uh, – that comes with a lot of hard work. And I love the fact that we've talked about uh, in previous episodes with Tommy, our producer, following your passion, and he's turned that passion into 70 mil. Mm. I mean, <laughs> my <laughs> goodness. Uh, I think that's it's great how those dots join, and um, yeah, I think that's incredible.
2: Well, mate, can I just say too, and I, I failed to mention this, but this is just the start. Hypothetically, this is the start of the wealth journey. Mm. I would only assume the seventy mil um, included some sort of stake for Sam in my DNA. So my DNA is about to list on the um, on the US stock exchange yeah, um, wow. um, through a through through a shell. So. Who knows where this could go? Assuming Sam is a, is a decent-sized shareholder, who knows where this could go for him if they list and it is a success story. We all know what sort of money you can make when you actually list your business. So mm. um, good luck to him. Hope it goes well. As I said, from what I've seen, he's, he's, he's just a great guy. So it's yeah. good to see.
0: be interesting to look at the numbers also behind that. So um, Sam's 28-minute workout, Kayla, it seems, was another famous 28-minute workout. Um, she had an app called Sweat. And her app sold for $400 million. So it'd be interesting to see what the, the metrics were different to how many subscribers Sam Wood had to get his 70 mil, how many Kayla had to get her 400 mil. But um, look, I'm sure Sam's not, not, not too upset with his 70 mil compared to 400 I, mil anyway. I think the
2: young females seem to, you know, they're more, they're more marketable yeah. as far as, you know, you think about Sam Wood being, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but he looks like he's around 40 years old, similar age to me. Yep. Um, I'm not buying a T-shirt because Sam Wood's wearing it. I'm not buying, um, you know, a, a, a particular act, a set of active wear because Sam Wood's buying it. Whereas I think, that, and I'm just assuming this, mm. but, you know, young girls see other young girls wearing something. So I just think they're more marketable as far as pushing more products. Yeah. Um, I can I, agree with that. I, that's, that's my assumption. I don't think it would be subscription-based.
1: I, I love the idea of the Birch off it. Like I think that's really that's really smart actually. Mm. It's uh, but can, can we do this in accountancy, Jace? You got some fantastic uh, streetwear that you've got on today. Head over to YouTube. <laughs> uh, do you, but what about the subscription model in accounting? I know that some accountants obviously utilise that over a course of you know, a year's annual. Uh, payment over over months. Yeah. is that is that happening? Yeah, definitely more often. I think than not-
0: um you know from from looking at the value of a business, if you've got locked in revenue that's and it's subscription based, it drops into your account every month. It's spread out over twelve months, and it's growing month on month. So your annual recurring revenue continues to grow. That's a good telltale sign of of how to value a business and increase the value in a business. So. Um, as opposed to if you don't have locked-in contracts and subscription-based revenue, you're relying on making sure that client comes back the next year or the next quarter without an engagement or or a signed contract. So, yeah, definitely it's uh, not as sexy as a workout app where people subscribe and and sit there on an app and and do something cool like that. It's uh, a little bit less glorious. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, hello at au.
1: Okay, it's that special time of the podcast, listeners, where uh, we learn from the mistakes of ourselves and others in losing it. So today, we really like to get this segment out there because, like we said, we can talk about our wins all day, everyone likes to do that, but there's real substance to when things don't go quite according to plan as to what we can learn from it, and hopefully shortcut those opportunities for you so you can actually do a hell of a lot better. So today, Jace is going to kick it off in regards to... We're talking a little bit about, uh, you know, team retention today. Mm. But, Jace, you've got a story for us that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Yeah,
0: definitely. Now, look... Uh- it starts off with a young fella called uh, Nath, and uh, for all of the times that I joked about firing him because he was a Collingwood supporter, um, don't dob me into HR or uh, work work cover guys. But uh, you know, I like to have a bit of fun. We've got a fun culture and a uh, bit of bants. and yeah. So I've always joked about sacking this kid because he's a Collingwood supporter. Um, and as it turned out, he, he called me up a couple of weeks ago, and and with the news that he was um, finishing up, he'd he'd got a tap on the shoulder from a recruiter. Um, A big fancy city accounting firm with deep pockets uh, had sent their recruiter out to try and find the next gen of graduates that have got a couple of years experience coming through, Um, you know, tech savvy new age firms. And uh, look, love the kid and I wish him all the best. uh, And he's going to move on to go and experience what else is out there in the world. Um, This was his first job after uni. He was with us for about one and a half years or a touch over. Um, awesome for culture, great fella um, wish him all the best. But I share this story as a bit of a lesson in in the war for talent as unemployment continues to decrease, and as businesses are looking to hire great talent for your business, this is going to continue to happen, and you need to be aware of you know was there some things we could have done to mitigate um this happening, potentially not, but at the same time, I look at it and go. Maybe we didn't have enough talks about the plans for his role moving forward. Maybe we didn't sell the dream on, you know, year one, you're on a graduate salary, but then year two, you move to this and year three, this is what happens. So, I think the lesson that we can learn, you know, as a at Future and, and with Nate moving on, um, apart from sometimes this is organically going to happen and people need to go out and experience the world and see what else is out there when you're in your first job. But then on the flip side of that, I've got- You know several other team members that we probably need to take this opportunity to sit down with them and talk about their career plans and what the future looks like. And um, this is just a good reminder that that you know don't take your team for granted. And in this market where there is this war for talent, you've got to be careful because there are recruiters that are calling your team all day, every day, trying to get them to to hear their pitch and uh, make the move to you know selling them that the grass is greener on the other side.
2: Yeah, it's a good point, and I think. You just get so busy, don't you? You get Mm. so busy in, you know, driving your business forward, doing the day-to-day stuff that it is very easy to forget, you know, we've all been guilty of it, including me, but it's very easy to forget that there's there's people in your business and they're on their their own journey, you know. They want to be sure that that they're growing as much as your business is growing. So, you know, we believe so much in our businesses, otherwise we wouldn't do what we do. It's so important to share that, and it's so important to share that with your staff and help them understand how they are part of that journey, um, and how they're going to help you get to your goal. And at the same time, they're going to grow as individuals as well. Yeah. Um. But time time goes really quick, and we can easily you know get caught up in the day today, and before we know it, we ha- we we haven't we haven't spent time on our staff. Um. So. Yeah, Jase. Look, as long as you take a lesson out of it, mate. I, you know, we've been through a similar process ourselves. Um, we you know we've 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 learnt lessons and we've changed things because of that, and we're a much better business because of it. So, um, yeah, as long as you uh, make some changes. But good luck to Nath. Yeah, thanks, um, nice, Nath.
1: Jace, do you, do you think in hindsight, is there anything personally you could have done? Because again, like we say, we get busy in business and we talk about scaling businesses and all the all the corporate corporatized stuff we talk about. But again, like Nick makes a good point with that human element. Mm. Is there anything personally you would have done differently? Because I think that helps as well for people out yeah, there. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think it's a, a tough balance in in the business owner how much time we can individually have for each individual team member. Um, But reflecting and taking that time to have a look at my relationship with Nath, um, you know, me running in and out of the office being super busy, Nath wants to ask a question, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate, I'll get back to you later kind of thing and, you know, making more of an effort to lock in some time with the team for those kind of, uh, you know, just whether it's general water cooler chat or being available to sit down and go through a review together and make sure that, that he was on the right track with some of the jobs he was working on. So it's been a good reflection for me to to look back and, and look over how the relationship was and what worked and what didn't work. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely something I can change is, you know, I say yes to a million things and, and end up, you know, I hate using the word busy, but I end up slammed all week, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday, and, and, you know, maybe it's saying no to a few things so I'm more available to be there with my team and for my team. So that's a lesson that I need to learn from that. Yeah,
2: it it doesn't have to be a big part of your day either. Like I think um I think you look for opportunities like you know take get, put in your diary to have breakfast with someone once every 6 months. You've got to eat breakfast, you've yeah. got to eat lunch, even dinner. Like, you know, I've taken numerous staff out for a bite to eat at dinner after work. Mm. Uh they appreciate that. You've got to have dinner anyway. So it's if if it's very hard for most people, particularly in small business, to set that time aside during the day, because we're all super flat out and mm. we're trying to drive revenue. But get, I think the other important thing is to get outside of the work environment, mm. because you know, as you've mentioned, Jace, and again, I'm guilty as well. You come in here and you think, geez, I've got to grab that person, have a chat to them. But there's, you're in the work environment and everything is going on around you, and you're like, mm. no, nah, I've got to sit down and do the email, or I've got to do this. Get out of the environment. Yeah. Go to go to breakfast. Go and have a bite to eat at lunch or dinner. So they've got one hundred percent focus from you, and there's not these distractions. Um, so you know that's 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 something I've done in the past that that worked for me, and I, I probably should do it more as well.
0: Yeah, it's great, great actionable not, not advice. To, I love that.
1: It is, and, and not to you utilize COVID as an excuse, but. You know, people are sort of uh, hell-bent on this work-from-home culture, and I think that's a big risk to companies and business owners because, again, when you're in the office, you're building friendships, you're getting an understanding of people at a deeper level. You've got to get to know people beyond what you want them to do for the business as well, and that's why Nick said that really well. And I think, and particularly like we're, we're a fast growing business as well, uh, even though we've been around for a long time. And you're bringing in more corporatized structures, you're scaling. Um, so, you, and, and again, you, you might be thinking you're doing the right thing by the business, but what's the perspective of the team? As well, And generally where there's smoke, there's fire. So if you hear something like, oh, the good old days Mm. or, you know, the little, little, little points or little conversation pieces that you pick up on, you really got to dig in on those types of things and go, well, we can have both. We're scaling. Again, it's a communication thing. This is what we're doing here, being very transparent Mm. about it, and then also maintaining that level of culture that people love about your business as well easier said than done i'm saying it out loud because you know there's still work to do around it but it's um it, it's really important because what you might think compared to what a team member might think could be a totally different perspective so you just got to keep the channels of communication open and when you pick up on something be nimble enough to make the adjustments in order to move forward in a better way but definitely try to get people back in the office i think that's that's a necessity. You still want flexibility, but I feel like that's where friendships are developed beyond just what they do as a function for clients, right? So I think that's really, really important. And I don't think a lot of businesses are there yet.
2: All right, lads, now it's time for my favorite segment. I know, Jace, you're reading the play and Marty, you're losing it. I'm all about the one percenters, you know, the the tough, gritty stuff, you know, just the little things that make us better people. Um I'm really keen to talk about this today because it's um and I'm gonna throw it to you in a minute, Marty, but this is something that our business is going through at the moment and I think a lot of businesses are, whether it's because of the investment market, the housing market, an election, uh, COVID, but there's just there's there's a change for most businesses and there's a change in the market at the moment, whatever that market is that you are in. And how do you adapt to that market, you know, making sure that you're Consistently thinking about the market that you're in and what you need to do different as a business to make sure that you get through the current period and not just get through it, but actually grow and take advantage of what's happening. So, Marty, I'll throw to you. You've got some really good stuff to share with us on. Um, I guess what we're doing in our business.
1: Yeah, I think I think you can get very complacent on last year's results, utilizing last year's strategies, mm. right? And I I, I think. And you have to be very careful as a business owner or a salesperson that you don't get caught up in that track. Uh, So you really need to meet the market where it's at now. And I've always thought the market is – the best way to describe it is what's the need for what you do now Mm. and over the next six months and 12 months? And it's a really good way to just ask that question and get an answer to it for yourself. The other question I always ask is, you know, is is your capability – to adapt to that market? Like, can you do it yourself? Do you need other people in your team to execute on that? Do you need external parties to execute on that opportunity? And how difficult is it to replace your service? Um, So that's more defensive, but I like what that question brings up. So we're in the mortgage game. So how difficult would it be to replace what we do and that brings up questions like, okay, we've got other services other than mortgages. We're going to be proactive in regards to uh, reviewing clients, particularly now when fixed rates are going up and they're coming off low rates. You know, how, how do we advise them? How do we get them the lowest standard variable rate? Now, if we let the market dictate and we don't respond to the opportunity, like I said earlier, there are two million. Clients coming off low fixed rates and are going to have a nasty surprise on the back end of it. Now, they're going to go to someone and the stat that I shared earlier about uh, people coming back to the same mortgage broker doesn't always occur to what we think that percentage is. It's a much lower percentage. So we have to be very, very proactive. The other thing that we're looking at as well is that investment? Yields are up on investment properties. Investors are out there and they've got capital all of a sudden with the property market booming over the last two years. And with higher yields, all of a sudden, those up op- and if interest rates going up, it's a fairer market. There are good buying opportunities again. So again we were in a high purchase market over the last 2 years with everyone upsizing downsizing moving regionally uh, you know it was it was it was a it was a purchase fanfare it was amazing what was happening but now it's changed and we have to address the market that's now and in front of us, not what it was last year. And people need to adapt. So our advice you know, to, our, to our sales staff and our team is to make those adaptations and to get on the front foot because otherwise you will be left behind and you won't even know why that's occurred. So, But I, I really like that question. How difficult is it to replace your service? Like if you think of that, Jace, in accountancy, like, you, and you already know the answer. I know the answer because you're an advisor, you're not just an accountant, you're bringing a lot more to the table. Mm. But given where we're at in the current market, how difficult is it to replace your service? And if you can answer that question, you'll actually fuel the market need because you're you're covering all those aspects and then your ability to execute as well on that is critical. So they're those three components that I ask myself sometimes month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, and you find that you, now sometimes you can miss you can misjudge. That's fine, mm. but at least if you're asking the question, you're having a red hot crack as to where the market's at, and it usually brings very good results if you're doing that. So
2: thoughts? It's all gold as always mm. from you, Marty V. That's oh, why you're geez. the leader on this Stop program. It. But um, <sighs> look, I, oh, it's look, they, they're great points, and uh, just just to add to that, I think the other the other thing is, you know, with what's occurred in the last two years with COVID, how does your business look different and? Mm. Outside of just generating sales and you know knowing where that you can now generate sales and maybe having to pivot, it's, well, what else looks different in your business? You know For us, we're looking at our premises. And our premises is beautiful, and it's something that we did just before COVID. but we're realizing now that um, and, and this is just to give people an example that now that there's more Zoom meetings, we've got more people in the office. They're not outside of the office anymore. Mm-hmm. So what does that do? It makes the office crowded as far as meeting rooms go. So yeah, we're now rethinking, well, what does our business or our premises need to look like the next two or three years? Probably need to get some more meeting rooms so people have some quiet time to do their Zoom meetings. Yep. Um, we're then looking at our brokers and our brokers traditionally, when they were going to see clients, might have done two meetings a day, three meetings a day, they're now doing up to five and six meetings a day because it's on Zoom. So it's far more uh, efficient, mm-hmm. but then we risk the burnout. And Jase, you and I spoke about this, it but did. there's the screen time, being on the screen all day. So ensuring that they're not getting burnout because they're actually doing six meetings a day now and just you know being aware of that and do our numbers change. So if we are being more efficient, we are doing more meetings, does that affect our productivity per broker or per per salesperson? So there's lots to think about, and there, I just want to give some examples because they're what we're thinking about. And every business will be different, but we are in an extremely different world to what we were two years ago um, from a market point of view, but and also just the functionality and the day to day the day to day running of your business. So.
1: I think we might need the cone of silence at uh, people's desks. And you make such a good point, Nick, in regards to how we've changed because. And before before COVID, people would go out and see clients mm-hmm. on their meetings or people would come in on the meetings. It was very easy to book. But now with Zoom, they actually need the meeting room for the Zoom. So they're not doing that in the, in an open space where people can overhear that meeting. So it's really interesting, isn't it, how that dynamic has changed. And now we have to think about you know, potentially creating pods where people can have that privacy and do their Zoom meetings. So it's, it's amazing as to the difference difference from two years ago, I find. Yeah. So, but a brilliant point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting what looking at the changing office spaces and and the requirements, um, I actually completely agree. There was times where I'd walk around, we're at the Commons in South Yarra and got another office in Narre Warren, um, spaces over in Perth. Um, all of these spaces were all kind of built and, and fit out pre-COVID. And now with the many, many people more back in the office now, but if I end up on a phone call or a Zoom where I need some privacy, I'll go walking to look for, and there's so many pods and so many private office, um, private phone booths in the in the Commons in South Yarra, all full. Basically, all day, every day, they are full, and it's kind of one in, one out, because this is the nature of of how people are operating now. Even though we have flexible and remote working, when people are in the office their clients aren't necessarily coming to sit with them face-to-face. So you're not going to the coffee shop to grab a coffee with your client or you're not sitting in a meeting room doing it face-to-face. This new Zoom meeting world has changed the landscape of what our office spaces need to look like. And same thing um, that you said, Nick, when you got all your team in the office on their their phone calls or Zoom calls as opposed to being out at meetings – What that does in the office from a a noise and sound, you know, you've got to change your equipment all of a sudden. You need better kind of noise-canceling headphones and microphones so that it doesn't sound like you're working out of a call center. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely changed changed that element there. And, um, yeah, look, Marty, you touched on as well is you know, the change in in customer experience or, you know, if you aren't seeing your clients face-to-face and you are going to jump on a Zoom, you do have more time to fit more into a day. Um, and that, you know, Nick, sorry, you said that and driving productivity, but the burnout and mental health side of sitting there staring at a screen all day or being locked in a bedroom at home has its other effects as well. So while there has been an increase in the amount of meetings you can get through, I think productivity probably hasn't gone up as much as I would have expected knowing what we know now.
1: So it's it's interesting because I notice that at the end of the day, when you're on a lot of Zooms, um, it almost dehumanizes the process to a degree. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for that interaction with people. I really enjoy mm. that quite naturally. And I noticed when people, we had a sales meeting in the office last Wednesday, it was fantastic. Like it was actually really great to see people, talk to people, engage with people again. It um, So there's got to be a balance. I, I feel like you're right, Jase. I feel like people are actually getting cooked on technology. And, and I'm hearing... People say that. At the end of the day, I just have to get out and kick a footy and meet someone because it's like (laughs) otherwise I go a bit stir crazy. So I guess these are all things we need to monitor in real time and I'm just thinking for the people of Zoom out there, you know, Maybe maybe we can have a bit of an adventure and expand the business into Zoom rooms mm. where uh, all the technology's set up and we just go in there and we we have a chat. Very uh, Star Trek, I know, but uh, but that's not a bad idea when you think about it. You go, that's what we would be thinking. What a, what a great way to think forward and yeah, uh, you know, something yeah we'd probably use at this at this time. Yeah. Mm.
0: I think one of the things that, you know, we we probably all feel a lot is no matter how much technology you put in place, nothing will replace the human connection, which is at the core of of business and relationships with our clients. The human connection is the thing that underpins the success of the business and whether that's trust and culture and values, they're the main things that all relate around humans and the way humans interact with each other. So I think, you know, no matter how much technology you put in place to, you know, automate a process, which is all really, really important, the fundamentals or the the thing that you still need to focus on to navigate the road forward will be how the human side fits in with everything else that's gone on moving forward.
1: So true. One, one thing I've noticed too, guys, is the communication skills of younger people. Now, mm. Don't get, I'm generalizing here. But, and I thought about this the other day. You've got two people in a room, and I'll put my hand up and say I've done this too, sitting with my wife in the lounge room. We're both on technology, and we'll send each other a message, which we just could have spoken about, right? How crazy is that? Mm. And I'm going, but the younger generation are doing that, at nauseam, mm. that, that's what's going on and therefore they're, they're very comfortable in the technology world but not so comfortable in the natural engagement world. And we've been interviewing for brokers over the last couple of weeks and I can see the, the ones that come in and really engage in free flow style uh, is incredible, and and it's really uplifting to see people communicating well. So I think again, you have to technology is great, but you still got to get out amongst it, have great relationships with family, sporting clubs, everything that we know to do prior to COVID, um, and and just. Be aware of the impact of technology, the good and challenges with it, and be just more holistic across the board. But definitely uh, get back to communicating with people. It's a real skill, and it's it comes across really well.
0: Guys, this has been Episode 49 of The Numbers Game. Really enjoyed today's episode, guys. We've covered all different sorts of things, and there's nuggets of gold everywhere. Marty, what have you enjoyed about today's episode?
1: Yeah, I think my takeaway is uh, markets move and you have to meet the market where it's at. Don't get complacent, be proactive and you'll be on the front of the wave. Uh, Nick, what do you take away?
2: Uh, mate, for me, it's it's just finding time to spend with your staff and it doesn't have to be day to day. Think outside the box. Um, you know, I spoke about maybe t- having a breakfast or a-, a lunch together and getting outside of that work environment so you can really engage with proper conversation and you don't have distractions.
0: Well, guys... Basically, what I've thought about here is business may look different, uh, our office space may look different, but at the end of the day, ultimately, if you've got great culture, great values, and the mission and vision of your business is clear and strong, well-articulated and shared with your team, you're going to be on the right track because the core and the fundamentals are there. And Marty and Nick, human, remember the human element in everything that we do is so important and stay connected with your people. Well said. Stay human,
1: people. Stay human. Uh, You've been listening to The Numbers Game probably on uh, Spotify or Apple (laughs) Podcasts. So put the headphones down, go and have a breakfast, go and have some fun. Tell a friend about The Numbers Game Podcast. We are here to serve. And we will take you out for breakfast if you want. We'll do a little group thing. Come on, we can do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell your friends, family, associates, Uh, you can catch us at LinkedIn. Uh, You can also catch us on the Numbers Game Pod on Instagram. So hook up, send us a question. We're happy to help. We're happy to serve. Game over.